Welcome to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. The Bible Talks is a show that discusses deep theology in a simple way. Hey, so if you're interested in theology but don't consider yourself a deep theologian, this is the show for you. We're Josh and Heather Tice. We minister to and lead Southern Hills Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We always begin with a little fun, so let's get right into it. I can't wait. Today is episode 17, and as usual, I thought we would start with a little question to get us rolling. Are you ready, Josh? I'm ready for whatever you have to send me. I don't know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, you never know. It's a constant surprise. That is what our marriage is like. (laughs) All right. So, what is the best pair of shoes that you have ever owned? Oh, shoes. I I like shoes. this one. Yes. I'm a shoe guy. Best pair of shoes I've ever owned. Yeah, your favorite. Uh, ooh, that's tough. Casual shoes. Are you talking I about? I will let nice you name shoes? two pair, but you have to kind of describe them a little bit. Okay, so I have uh, because this is a podcast and people can't see your visual. So I can't just say the brown ones. No. Okay, so I bought a pair of floor shimes uh, online. Online, which I, I have not had a lot of good luck online, but I bought a pair of floor shimes online. A uh, pair of leather. Uh, they're kind of uh, a casual type wingtip. Um, okay. Cap type wing shoes. Wingtip. What does yeah. that mean? Uh, a wingtip is is uh, the decor or the decoration around the front of the shoe that goes to the back of the shoe. There's half wingtips. There's full wingtips. Those kind of things. Oxford. Is it shaped like a wing? Yes, actually, yes. They're shaped like the wings of uh, the tips of wings. Very cool. Yeah, so it, it's a pair that's like tan, and they go really nice with a nice pair of jeans as well as a suit. So that's probably the best pair. Yes. I thought you were going to say your cowboy boots. Yeah, no, not my cowboy boots. Because <laughs> you do have a pair of cowboy boots. I do have boots. a cowboy boots. I wear them I don't about know once why. every why four years. Why did you years. get those? Do you remember when we used to do um, oh, that, Western Sunday? No, I think I took them out of my dad's... Um, <laughs> I do. I think I took them out of dad's closet... Like 15 years ago. See, and Dave, if and you I've listen to our them. show, you could get your boots back. If, if <laughs> so, yes, this if is on you. Pastor man. Dave listened to this <laughs> program, he could get his, but guess what? He's not going to. And if somebody shares it with him, that's messed up. Yeah. That's messed up. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but yeah, and I still have those boots, and occasionally, whenever I'm going to go, you know, riding a horse, then. Uh, <laughs> you do so often. Well, <laughs> You know, and it doesn't happen as often as you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, I have a pair of back cowboy boots, yes. Nice. Yeah. Well, what about you, your shoes? I have two. Really, I actually, it's funny because I'm not a shoe person. You I'm like a the, jewelry person. You Man, like the I Uggs. could buy jewelry and, like, every piece of jewelry I want it. It's, like, amazing. Um, but shoes, I don't get into, but I'm having trouble deciding on my favorite. So, first of all, I'll start with tennis shoes. Asics are the way to go. Like, I'm very brand loyal. Um, I started wearing those in high school. That's what the the cheerleading squad wore at my school. And they were lightweight. I just feel like I don't even have shoes on. They're just great. It's so supportive. By the way, Asics does not sponsor this podcast. No, they don't. But they should. Asics, if you're listening, you know, (laughs) you and Duchess Kate, y'all need to get on board here. And and Duchess will interview you. She keeps emailing us all sorts of (laughs) podcast ideas. And we're like, you know what? Keep your ideas to yourself. You no, know what I mean? Duchess, if you want to email us, we will take your ideas. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, I've got okay, an idea. I'm back gonna, to I'm the gonna, shoes. I'm going to send you some uh, some cream for your husband's head so he grows some hair. 
That is so disrespectful. And that's to, the like, queen, to the future king? Yes. <laughs> He's not my king. I'm a patriot. So I'm, I'm an American loyalist. No, this is terrible. I apologize for my husband's rude comments. Please do not hold that against us. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. I well, I've been thinking it for years. That's like baldism. Like no, I don't mind most bald form. people, but his bald head really bothers me. It's not even completely bald. I He's see got some stuff up there. I see there. you got your pictures. Got some fuzzies. Uh, you've got your posters in the in in our bedroom with Kate <laughs> and uh, and what's his name, Harry? No, Harry's the William. younger one. Yeah. Marrying Ma- he's marrying Meghan Markle. I don't know who she is. She's and you've an got actress, these posters so. of Kate Middleton and, and I do Prince, love uh, Kate. Prince, Prince William. I would wear her shoes. Prince Baldwin. She's got great shoes. I literally just read a blog post about her shoes the other day. And I think to myself, I see this poster and I think that guy <laughs> is not pulling off bald well. I don't we have We have poster. people in our society in America who pull off bald well. This little question understand? is going way out of bounds. No, I, I mean, look at to share it. about my Dwayne shoes. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He kills it. Bruce Willis. Listen. Kills it. Even Vin Diesel. Uh, Vin Diesel. Oh, that's not appropriate. He kills it. You're being a very mean person. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to say that Brit British people should be more American. That's all I'm saying. No, that is not true. And to all of our listeners over the pond. (laughs) 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 Okay, nothing I said was more offensive (laughs) than your British accent was. They love it. It's you know, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. I'm just teasing. So I love, I love our Brit- we British. We actually friends. do love going over there and, and visiting, and um, yes. I can't wait to go again. We have pastor friends in oh Britain. Oh my goodness! But English, okay, so back to Irish the shoes. Besides Duchess Kate shoes, I do love Asics. They're the best tennis shoes. They're about the only ones I can stand to wear. And then, um, so I'm very brand loyal with them. I'll wear any Asics. Um, but when it comes to my favorite pair of shoes, I do have a pair of black heels I love. But I'm going to answer with something different. My husband got me yep. a pair of yes, Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide, Alabama Hills. Alabama They've Hills. got silver sparkles underneath. They've yes, got they the do. Alabama A on them, and they are just fantastic. And actually, one of the nicest pairs I've ever owned. They're really sharp. So, there's my shoe question answer. Well, and Duchess Kate's shoes. Her shoes are amazing, y'all. She what has I- so many good ones, and she can walk on grass and heels and not sink into the grass. I don't understand. She's got princess power. Um, I don't think that that's true. Okay. Speaking of shoes, let's get into the podcast. <laughs> that was a great transition. Was that's that a why great I love segue? working with you because I'm a professional. You are so <laughs> because we had to have a segue there, and I thought to myself, you know, it'd be a good segue. Speaking of shoes, <laughs> let's, let's talk step about the into podcast. The discussion. Oh, let's walk forward into our d- main discussion, which oh. is. Uh, learning humility from Christ. It's it's like walking in his shoes. Oh, the shoes yeah. of humility. Right. Getting on the sandals of Oh, of and washing the feet. Yeah. All of that, that works. Goes with feet and shoes too. All of <laughs> all of that works. Okay, so today we are talking about See how now ASICs are definitely gonna want to sponsor us. After they hear this material, there's no way we're not getting a sponsorship. Look, we're <laughs> not gonna be bought by corporate America. You understand? <laughs> We're going to say what we want to say. You are listeners. And we're going to insult any monarchy we want. <laughs> no, I will not. I love Heather the Heather still is waiting. <laughs> Heather's still waiting for an invitation to Buckingham. She's thinking it's it's going to come around the Windsor, corner. Windsor. I prefer Windsor. And you will be knighted. <laughs> or or women aren't knighted, are they? 
I don't know. If not, we need to work yeah, on why, that. Why don't women get knighted? This is why people are listening to this podcast. They want to know these type of questions. Do women in Great Britain get knighted? I think we've got to segue back to our topic again now. Oh, we are way off. Oh, they do. Our producer just looked up. Women no, can... Oh, you know it. Mar- <gasps> She's a Sir Margaret Sir Thatcher Margaret Thatcher. Knighted. Why can't she have be Sir Margaret Thatcher? What about what about Maybe the lady who wins Street. an Oscar every year? The old lady, Dame Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Why doesn't why is it Meryl Streep, Sir <laughs> Sir Meryl Streep? <laughs> Maybe is she you're British? A dame. Is that Dame Maggie Smith? Dame Maggie Smith. Maybe that's the night term for a lady. No. No, maybe it's just, know. maybe she's, maybe, she, the, I don't know. Okay, I, are I don't you going to segue how... us back into our actual topic? Okay, yeah. now back to the podcast. Another great segue. <laughs> okay. Learning humility okay. from Jesus Christ. Yes. So let's go ahead and talk about that. How specifically <laughs> you know, actually, does this take this place? this is a pretty good conversation it, it we've had because think about it. We're talking it about fit. royals and we're going to talk about how... Jesus went from the royalty of heaven, the right. splendor of heaven, right. and he humbled himself. There, there's an old, um, there's an old literary. That was all planned. Yeah, it was all. <laughs> planned. There was, a, there's an old literary um, concept that's used. It's a, tr- it's a, uh, uh, an idea that's been used over and over and over through literature, and that's the idea that of, of the of the royal stepping down into the crowd. Um, the the most famous for our childhood would be when Jasmine leaves the palace and pretends to be a commoner, right? Yep. In the in She's the story a bird of Aladdin, in a gilded cage. That's right. This is a story. This is a story that has been played out over and over in ancient tales of literature. And there's this concept of a royal uh, pretending to be a commoner into the into the marketplace, and uh, yeah, that that is what Jesus does, right? He is the King of Glory the prince of heaven, he is the son of God, he is the creator, and now he's going to step down into humanity and live among us. And most of the time, incognito, they have no idea who he is. His, his, his uh, mother does, his stepfather does, uh, but most of the time, boy, nobody has any clue. His brothers had no idea that he is mm-hmm. God. And so that's fascinating. But what humiliation that must have taken, or the word humiliation is not good in our context, but the idea of what humility that must have taken. Yeah, and that's interesting because we know that in the Bible, we're told that he's our example in this area. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he did what? He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found as fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. That's Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Right. And you went right to the passage that means probably the most in regards to this conversation. You can never talk about the humiliation of Jesus without leading into the exaltation of Jesus. This is a main core Christian concept. Humility leads to exaltation. Mm. Pride comes before the fall, but humility comes before being lifted up. I remember you doing a sermon series, and it was so cute because a lot of the young people in our church, I remember hearing them say the phrase that you use. They really got into it. And the idea was, and the phrase you used was, you have to go down you to go, go up. Down and it was all about humility. Up. And I remember hearing kids say that, and I thought it was so fun that they paid attention. They caught that concept. Right. The idea is you got to go down to go up. You go, Then you go, if you go up, you go down. 
You place yourself up, you go down. If you go down, you go up. And and so in this passage that you bring up, Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, also in Christ Jesus, it, it lowers himself constantly. He made himself not equal with God, uh, um, thought it not Robert to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of servant, likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself all the way to the point of death. It keeps going down, 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 down. Mm. Then you go into verse 9, and what do you see? You see the exaltation. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Things of heaven, things of earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you see this um, very interesting wave, don't you? You see this pattern. You can almost chart it on a graph. Down, 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 down to the grave. And then up, 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 up to eternity where everyone is bowing before him mm -hmm. as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So exaltation never comes without humiliation first. And Jesus demonstrated that humiliation by coming to earth and living the life that he lived. You know, one of the things that you hear talked about in this conversation is that through this humility is how, um, I guess, his being a human is how he understands our trials. It's how we relate. And I think about that. When we humble ourselves, it gives that opportunity of relating to others and understanding what they're going through. That's exactly what he did for us. I, 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 I see completely what you're saying. So let's talk about his specific humiliation in the realm of his humanity. Um, it may not be easy for us to grasp that, right? Why, why is it humiliating or why is it humbling for Jesus to have become a man? We touched on this in, in one of our previous episodes, but it, it's basically this. It would be like a, a human being saying, um, I'm going to become a dog, and I'm going to live among dogs, and I'm going to talk with the dogs, and I'm going to sleep with the dogs, and I will be a dog. It, it's a humbling <laughs> thing. Why? Because humans are so far above dogs. And, See, and the same even would that, be I've heard these examples with dogs, with ants, whatever, and it always just bothers me a little bit because it's so it's a, a close example but not even i mean you can kind of grasp right. the concept but i mean really we're not that far above dogs y'all and when you think about where the lord is yeah. the creator i mean you look at the the universes upon universes that he's created um the the galaxies that are out there and how big he is and how eternal that we are so far, so far i don't think there's any thing in creation that we can relate to that's so far below us <laughs> Right. That it would be equivalent to, I mean, God, the eternal right. God, the one with all power, the one who created all things and all knowledge, becoming this tiny little speck on this tiny little planet in the midst of the solar system. So look at the depth of the humility, right? He's born among sinful men. He's born in a small town of Bethlehem. He's born in a barn in that Bethlehem, oh, in that town. It's not a barn. Oh, okay. And you know this, right? We've talked about this. What is it? Uh, a cave. Okay. And, and so the research so, historians right. would yeah. say that um, next to the inn would yeah. have been this cave, probably adjacent to where the inn was built. Yeah. And it would have been um, almost like a parking garage. Yeah. So those who rode in donkeys um, would have brought their donkeys there and, and lodged them and cared for them in that, that cave. Um, perhaps even sheep. Some have suggested it was a sheep coat as well, kind yeah. of that they would be herded in there at night. And, um, you know, I've heard that before, but I don't think it was till we were discussing this podcast that I really thought about um, the, the cave aspect. Um, I thought about it a lot. I thought, would they have been towards the back of the cave? You know, um, it's going to be so smelly and stinky yeah. um, and dark. You talk about the light of the world coming into darkness, being born right there in the darkness of that cave. Or would they have been, would it have been warm enough that they could have 
kind of stationed themselves and Joseph could clean down an area maybe towards the entrance of the cave yeah. where they could get some fresh air. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but it's still, it's just amazing to me. I think, could they even have had a fire within right. the cave? Yeah. Um, would the animals have been scared by that? You know, I, I don't know. But definitely humble beginnings, much more humble than um, I think we consider, especially when we picture, you know, the clean little manger yeah. and, and all these things. No, so. and it, and it, it, and it seems to i mean we romanticize the life of jesus mm. far beyond what we ought when you see it, it it continues to get worse right he not only becomes a man and he but he's born mm-hmm. um in little bethlehem he's born in a little cave outside of bethlehem mm-hmm. he is uh, then born to uh very poor jewish parents who have have very little to uh to offer him uh, we know that they're poor, not only not simply because he's a carpenter, because but uh, a fix-it man, if you will. But he's poor because the Bible says that they offer two turtle doves as his as his cleansing for his cleansing ceremony. Only the poor were able to do that. Um, but then he goes on to be raised in the town of Nazareth. A- at some point, you would think, well, why isn't he raised like you know in Jerusalem itself? Because mm-hmm. it was too much for him. That is, it, it, it's, it's too much for the narrative of a humble savior. So he gets himself to be raised in this backwoods little town that nobody cares about called Nazareth. It's not even on the Sea of Galilee. It's, a, it's outside of the Sea of Galilee where, where some of the wealthier businessmen would have been right on the coast. He's out in the bush. Um, so much to the point whenever somebody says, um, where did Jesus come from? They say, Nazareth. What good could come out of Nazareth? So his humble beginnings are are obvious yeah and then you've got the limitations of his human body i mean the fact we we kind of referenced this before but the fact that he would become a human um he didn't use his divine power you know i've heard stories before about uh the child jesus healing a bird you know a bird falls out of its nest its wing is broken and the lord heals its wing as a little right, boy that right. flies away you know or i think someone had talked about didn't someone have a story about like clay pigeons and the lord yeah. turning them to real birds yeah. and of course we know that's not true um because uh the bible his discusses first miracle, his first miracle yeah. in cana of galilee during his wedding during yes, the wedding John yeah too. yeah it talks about the wedding at the cana of galilee being the first one but you're right when he came to earth he didn't just live as a human and he and he was like the genie from from yeah. the television show or like bewitched and you know when nobody was looking he did these little tricks and miracles to help him and his family out he did none of that so mm-hmm. he didn't just live as a as a human and have all these powers he only used those powers when he was attempting to reveal who he was to the people around him. And there was no reason for him to reveal himself until his public ministry began at the age of 30. So how humbling is it? Yeah, it's not like he just made the pain go away right. when he, he would get hurt. Yeah, here he is. He's a seven-year-old little boy. He falls and he scrapes his knee and he tears mm-hmm. it up and he lives with that pain. And to think about the deity, the God, the one who mm-hmm. created all things— just dealing with it yeah amazing so his humiliation not only in his in in his birth and in his early life but throughout his entire ministry right he suffered hunger and thirst he was tempted um continually um and not not just when he sometimes we think oh jesus was tempted right he went out into the wilderness and the devil tempted him three times but understand that temptation was not just once it was throughout his entire life temptation would take place. The book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us, um, we have a high priest who, who understands what it is to be touched with our infirmities because he was tempted in all points like as we are, 
yet without sin. Now, there's a discussion that comes up when it comes to the temptation of Christ. I kind of want to know what your thoughts are and where you stand on it. Um, I've heard it uh, just recently that the word tempted should maybe be translated tried instead. Yeah. Um, That Jesus couldn't be tempted like we are because um, the book of James says that when we're tempted, we're drawn away of our own lust, our own desires, and enticed. And Christ cannot be tempted to sin from within. Um, His temptation can only come from without. And I'm not sure I agree with that because I think he did have natural desires as a man. And desires aren't wrong until they become a lot of times demands. The theory of that discussion. I, I actually, I'm with you with this. The theory of Jesus Christ's temptations not being actual, like, real temptations, just testings, mm-hmm. just to prove that he could not fail. I agree that they were testings to prove that he could not fail. I totally am behind that theory. But the idea that Jesus wasn't genuinely wanting or desiring mm-hmm. to turn stones into bread, I think is ridiculous, and I think it actually decreases the humanity of Jesus. I agree. And, and doesn't enhance the humanity of Jesus. I think Jesus clearly wanted to and and you're not drawn away by your own lusts as in um uh you've got these evil desires inside of you to eat bread right hunger is not a wrong desire and the word lust it just literally means strong desire so um i yeah i don't i don't see that at all and i don't think comparing james chapter one to the life of christ is is appropriate especially when james is speaking to the church and not to the deity or humanity of jesus christ so that's kind of where i'm at on that i think he was tempted I don't think he himself had inner lusts and passions for mm-hmm. sin, but he had the normal desires of humanity. So the normal desire for humanity would be to eat bread. The normal mm-hmm. desire for humanity would be not to have to suffer, to be in the garden and cry out and let this cup pass from me. But wouldn't you say that most desires, I mean, I don't see that there's a huge difference in between the desire to sin and the desire, because I think the desire to sin is just a, almost everything can be stemmed back to a decent or good desire Mm. that is taken with outside of its bounds the difference between us and christ being many a fundamental difference is that we would we would believe in the 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 depravity of man so even our desires are skewed from the beginning um even our good desires every one of them can be perverted right so we desire bread that's the key i think it can be perverted right we desire bread and we desire too much bread uh which we desire security we desire Right. And that can be a good desire that can be filled by God, a right desire, or it can be taken outside the bounds and we can look for it in wrong relationships, in pride, trying to get accolades for myself. Yeah. So would you, are we on the same page there? Absolutely. Okay. I like it when we're on the same page. Very rarely (laughs) takes place. (laughs) So So it does. It continues throughout his, so he's, he's struggling with all of these things. I mean, he's rejected by his own people. You tell me that's not Mm. hard. He, mo- yeah. he moves he goes back to Nazareth and attempts to perform miracles there and they they don't receive him in any way in fact the book of John says he came to his own his own received him not he even was, his own family rejected him and I think a lot of times because they're short passages it's not like there's a long passage about that and yeah. doesn't go to details about what the Lord felt sometimes we just read the quick verse and we're like yep his family said this you're crazy step down from the ministry come back home yeah. and I don't think and we, a- we really like think really about mean yeah yeah we don't take time to kind of meditate on it and One dwell of the on what that, that would we mean. know about God is that he is emotional and sometimes we think oh that's a terrible thing in fact we'll even tell our children or we'll tell friends don't be so emotional the God of heaven if he is anything 
is extremely emotional. Now, when I say emotional, he's also temperate and self-controlled. He is meek. Mm, he's all-powerful, but his his emotions are in control. But just because his, he's able to control his emotions doesn't mean he's not emotional. You read the Minor Prophets, which is a Bible study we're doing on Sunday nights, and the book of Hosea, Joel, and Amos we just went through— and if you see anything about the God of heaven, he is an emotional being. Mm. So you say, what's the point? The point is whenever his brothers are rejecting him, whenever his uh, his his own countrymen, his own uh, small town begins to mock him, that doesn't affect him emotionally. Emotionally, he I, I assume he would be devastated, not just in his humanity, but because that's who his personhood is. He's a very emotional being, our God is. Mm. Yeah, and so going through those rejections, we can't just overlook that. And and when we feel that in our lives, when we see our children go through that, when there's times of feelings of loneliness or isolation, we can know that he felt those as well, that he went through that. He experienced that, his humility, his humbling himself and allowing himself to go through that because he could have not been rejected. If he had come a different way, if he'd come in the palaces and come as that yeah. great soldier leader, right. uh, clearly, no, he would have been, you know, if followed had, by so if many. If he had come and, just embraced. as a nor- if he had come just as a normal businessman, um, in, in a very real sense, we need to understand that Jesus was, as they say, homeless. Um, now, much has been made of this, but I really think not not to an extreme. Yes, Jesus would have had a home in Nazareth where his mother would have lived throughout this entire time. He inherited the he he would have inherited it uh, with his brothers. Um, uh, along with his brothers when, when Joseph passed away. So he had a home, uh, likely a larger uh, a communal home where there were several rooms built on, and his brothers would have lived in part of it. We see that interaction with him in, in John chapter 6 with his brothers, and Mary would have lived there. So he had a place to go, right? But when it came to him in his traveling ministry, when he talks about foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I don't have a place to lay my head in, John, in Matthew chapter 8, he's literally saying just that. He walked about living upon the kindness of others. When he did have a place to live, he would go back to Nazareth very seldom from the age of 30 on. And, uh, and when he did, he had a place, but was that really his home? Uh, really, it was his family's home. So, yeah, I, I would say there's a lot in this aspect of um, Jesus Christ being being homeless without a home. Whenever he was in Jerusalem, he stayed with friends, Mary, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, whenever he was in uh, Capernaum, where he spent most of his time in Galilee, he stayed with his friend Peter. And um, so yeah, so th- there's, there's, there's the concept of Jesus. Humility is the idea. Mm. And then what about he, he was blasphemed? Um, can you speak into that a little bit? I have actually a couple questions about two other points about Jesus's humility. Um, him being blasphemed in Luke eleven fifteen, yeah. we read about that. Right. Okay. So, this would have been humbling, right? This, it is the leadership of the religion called Judaism, which at this point would have been a far cry from what the Lord had originally established Judaism to be. They don't even receive Messiah when He does come. So you say, what's the point? When they see Him, instead of receiving Him as Jesus or as Messiah, they actually call Him out and say that He's from the devil. I mean, how blasphemous would have that been? Mm. Here you are as God. You become a man. You live humbly. You're helping people. And then you then you simply state <laughs> that you are who you are, that I am God and I've come to save humanity or whatever it might be. And then in Luke chapter 11, uh, they begin accusing him of being of the devil. The devil. These people... Mm. These people don't know the devil the way Jesus does. Jesus created Lucifer. Jesus watched his fall. Jesus has watched his development of evil. And now 
he is claiming, they're claiming that he himself is of the devil. What a terribly thing. But but what does Jesus do? Man, as the powerful God, does he destroy them all right mm-hmm. now? Does he send down lightning bolts? How dare mm-hmm. you? No, he doesn't. And uh, that just shows his humility. And that's, again, just something that allows us to relate with our Lord, because how many times have we um, honestly done something for the Lord? Maybe we're even serving him, and it's misunderstood. I won't say blaspheme, but misunderstood. Yeah. And, oh, you're doing that for this reason. The motives are misjudged. Or we, we deal with sin or a family member or something in, in a way that is trying to be God-honoring and loving, and there's accusations made of why we're doing it or what we're doing. And the Lord went through that where yeah. he's just doing what he's called to do, what God the Father has assigned him to do, following God's will, and instead... Right, is, people begin to accuse him. Yeah. Uh, the religious leadership of the day begin to accuse him of all sorts of wickedness. It reminds me of the time that David came down to the battle and he's ready to fight Goliath. And David, the beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, ready to come and fight the giant in our place. And what does what does uh, David do? David looks down and says, hey, somebody going to kill this giant? And what do his brothers do? I mean, this if this is anything, mm-hmm. this is such a beautiful picture of Jesus to come. His brothers look at him and say, the naughtiness of thine heart has lifted you up in pride. Who do you think you are to go and fi- <laughs> fight this giant? And, <laughs> and David, uh, David doesn't give in to that. Um, they, they accuse him of his pride. They accuse him of arrogance. They accuse him of all sorts of things. And David simply asks a question, who's going to take this thing out? Jesus is simply asking a question, how are we going to accomplish these things? Here I am. And so both are accused of pride and arrogance, but both were very humble, and then both defeated the giant, um, sin and death, and the law for Jesus, and uh, Goliath for David. Mm. And then we get to the week of his crucifixion, yes. and things only um, kind of intensify yeah. at that point. So he lived to be only 33 years of age. He started his earthly ministry at age 30, and then um, by 33 is when he heads to the cross for the crucifixion. Right, and during this Passion Week, what happens? Look at all the humble—as as you take, take the story, look at all the, the, the moments of humility, right? He's going to ride in a donkey into the city. Okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. But he doesn't even buy a donkey. He he rides a borrowed donkey. Yeah. Um, he not only that he uh, he goes to celebrate um, the Passover mm-hmm. instead of renting a room for the Passover. What do they do? They have to borrow a room for yeah. the Passover. Uh, he he's betrayed, right? So Judas betrays him. What does he betray him for? Thirty pieces of silver, which is the price of a slave. All of these things show the humility that Jesus Christ had, and really. It, Humil- the word humility doesn't do enough justice. It really is humiliation. Mm-hmm. It's that Jesus purposefully allowed himself to be humiliated uh, for our sakes. And you think about the torture, that plays into that, how he was um, humiliated through that torture. I mean, being stripped, being mocked, um, being spit upon. I just. Yeah, ugh. there there is a natural aspect of every human to have shame in, in, in front of nakedness, to. Uh, to be embarrassed to be without clothing in front of people. Mm. And here Jesus is um, at the end of his life, having done nothing but good, and his modesty is outraged as he's nailed to a tree for all onlookers to see. Um, talk about humiliation. Mm. And, uh, and, then, and, then, and then he watches his followers run away from him, mm. flee all of his closest friends. Yeah, Matthew says all the disciples forsook him and fled. Right. And then Peter, above all, his dear, dear friend Peter. 
Now, we often look at it from Peter's perspective. Oh, man, I can see myself as Peter. Look at the mistake he made. Mm-hmm. I get it. And, the, and we ought to look at it from Peter's perspective, but look at it from the Lord's perspective, from Jesus' perspective. How painful, how emotionally wrenching must have that been to know that his friend, Peter, would deny him, to prophesy it would take place, and then to watch it happen. It must have just tore his heart out to see mm-hmm. this take place. And again, all of this humiliation. Yeah, you think about that. Often when we go through... Um, Again, there's not a word strong enough, but we go through difficulty. We go through hard time. We go through pain and heartbreak. One of the best things in counseling, we know this, is to share it with other people. Isn't that what we tell people in counseling? Who else are you talking about this with? Are you sharing this with your small group, with your Sunday school class? Yes. Who are you going to? And to think about, as the Lord went through all of this, he's down there. uh, We actually, in Israel, were in the place where he was held prisoner. Yeah. On the very stones on which he was held by the Roman guard. And you think about it, he was down there alone, suffering yeah. through that. Um, as his friends forsake him and follow him, there was no one going through this, no physical person going through this with him. Yeah. Now, what I think about sometimes is the beauty of the father's um, relationship with mm. the son during that time of imprisonment. And he was truly alone from all of his physical, um, his physical friends, uh, but the father had not yet forsaken him. Um, they they were together, which is a beautiful thing uh, of thinking of the communion that was taking place between the Father and the Son and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit in that prison jail in Caiaphas's home. But then you think, you think to yourself that that's what makes it so much even worse when you do arrive at the cross, and the one who was with him this entire time is the Father, um, and he's surrounded. Uh, the psalmist says like dogs surrounding a a a, a piece of beef. Uh, They've surrounded him, and they're watching him die there. And then as the sins of mankind are placed upon Christ, as he becomes the sacrificial lamb, the atoning paschal lamb, as he becomes the sacrifice for mankind, his sins are placed upon him, and God the Father turns away, and he cries out, My God, my God, why have almost the sense of even you have forsaken me. And that's something I've said it before, but I'll say it again. That's something I think that we can't even come close to fathoming, fathoming that kind of separation from God. Yeah. We've never experienced that. We've always had, even before we were saved, where the Holy Spirit is coming, convicting us, uh, showing us his love, expressing it to us in different ways, drawing us. We've never experienced that kind um, of complete separation. Yeah. Um, from I mean, everyone and everything. Now there will come a point yeah. for those who haven't accepted Christ that they'll, They'll understand what that is. Right. When, they when we talk about separation when we talk hell. about hell, and I don't want to get sidetracked, but we talk about hell and Jesus suffering hell for us. Yeah. Um, there is there is this uh, there it is, I believe right a f- there. uncommon, the- uh, uh, unwise, and I think it's her- heresy actually. This idea that Jesus went to burning a burning place called mm-hmm. hell and burned for three days for us. I think that that's heresy, right. um, and we'll address that maybe in another episode. But when it comes to Jesus suffering for us and suffering the pain of hell, yeah, the pain of hell the was his separation. Of all the pains the in greatest hell pain of that. hell is the separation from your Creator um, or from God the Father, and Jesus did experience in that. And you know, you talk about the humiliation of Christ culminating. It's almost like it's 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 salt in the wound when you see that Jesus is taken and he's laid in a tomb, but not his tomb. No, because a traveling homeless carpenter doesn't have his own tomb. 
He's laid in a borrowed tomb. He's laid in a tomb <laughs> among the rich, the Bible says. Those who would have forsaken him first, those who would have never received him. Uh, so incredible to me, the humiliation mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. But of now, all things that you need to borrow, you know, the yeah. tomb is the one. Yeah. He didn't need a tomb because obviously we know the end of the story that he wouldn't stay there, but that he would rise from the dead. So so how, um, how do you, when yeah. we talk about the humiliation of Christ and we talk about how we learn humility from Christ, how would you say practically his sense of humility, his humiliation, his, his purposefully humbling himself can relate to the Christian today? Well, I think we've talked about quite a bit of application throughout this. Um, one of the things is the fact that no matter what we're going through, I think we can see that Christ has, he understands our suffering. He understands what we've gone through. He understands even what it's like when you're sick. Do you know when you're sick and you're just laying there miserable and yeah. just saying, Lord, take my life now? <laughs> um, I mean, he <laughs> understands what it's like to have physical pain, which is unlike any other God. You think about the gods that that men have conjured up right. in their minds, that the, 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 the stories that, that men have written about these false gods, the, the images that they have built. And they are all so different from the true God. Um, he's unlike any other in the fact that he did become like us, that he did endure what we endure, that he does get personally invested in us. And I think it's an example to us to, to not be um, removed from yeah. other people's hurts. We, sh- we should weep with those that weep. We rejoice with those that rejoice. And we can't do that if we are separating ourselves and not allowing ourselves to be um, touched with the cares of others, to be walking in their shoes, to be relating with them. Yeah. I think that's a choice often. Yeah, like I, I would had. also say I think, I think there's an aspect of being reminded that God's sovereign plan is for us to be humbled so that he can exalt us. That if you go up, if you purposefully place yourself above others, you will be brought low. Pride comes before the fall. Um, but if you place yourself low, then God will lift you up. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And so placing ourselves below others, serving others, constantly being reminded that we might need to humble ourselves instead of fighting for our own rights, this is when we see God's blessing in our life. So I would say uh, his, his humiliation that leads to exaltation is the pattern that the cre- Christian should follow. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation in, in a little bit in a few podcasts from now, but uh, talking more about the crucifixion. But for now, um, a lot to think about yeah. with the humiliation of Christ. And let me say to you, thank you for listening to episode number 17 with the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. Honestly, we know that you could spend a lot of your time doing a lot of other things and yeah. you choose to listen Reading to these episodes. Reading blogs about Kate Middleton's shoes. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> or or not. Yeah, <laughs> but we're glad you joined us today. On the next episode of the Bible Talks, we are going to bring back, hopefully, one of your favorites, Bible Would You Rather? Bible Would You Rather? That is so. You've got to be here to play along. If you'd like to connect with us further, we want you to like our Facebook page, The Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. We'd here also we can love interact you. with you, take requests for upcoming episodes, and answer your questions. In fact, we want to hear your questions. We yeah, I almost jumped in. I was so excited. I almost I interrupted Share it. you. Go ahead. We'd love for you to email us. You can email uh, us anytime so we can find out specific questions that you might have about the Bible Talks or about the Bible. Uh, and we'd love to be able to answer those. We're, we're planning on doing a question and answer episode soon. And maybe you've got some specific questions that we'd like answered. Um, uh, just email us. Now, you can email me at pastor at southernhillslv.com. Or you can email Heather at 
heather at southernhillslv, that's for lasvegas.com. And all you need to do is put in the subject line, The Bible Talks. And if you do that, we'll, we'll address those. Uh, and you'll hear your name read over the airwaves. Every person's dream. Yes, right. Be called out on the Bible talks. Or you can always go to that Facebook page and comment as well there. Or send a message through the Bible talks with Josh and Heather. Thank you for listening. And remember, when the Bible talks, we better listen. <laughs>